Ben-Gurion reflected, quote, In my youth I studied the Bible and read the poems of Y.L. Gordon. And when I read the beautiful and sad poems Zedekiah in prison, I was unequivocally on Gordon's side and against Jeremiah. Only after I immigrated to Israel 62 years ago and read the Bible here did I know and understand that justice was on the side of the prophets of rebuke. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 160, Ben-Gurion's Defense of Jeremiah. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. As we bid farewell to Jeremiah, we look at a criticism leveled against the Hebrew prophet thousands of years later by a Hebrew writer, as well as a speech by a statesman who rallied forth to defend the hero of the biblical book that we have been studying. In 1879, the Hebrew poet Y.L. Gordon, one of the most famous Hebrew poets of the Haskalah, what is called the Jewish Enlightenment, composed a well-known poem titled Tzidkiyahu Bevet Kudot, Zedekiah in Prison. The poem is ostensibly about the last king of Judah, but it is actually meant as a criticism of Jeremiah. The poem about Zedekiah in prison was actually written at a time when the poet himself was in prison. As Hill Halkin explains in his thorough discussion of Gordon in Mosaic, the poem was a reaction to a debate that had taken place among rabbis relating to the observance of the Shemitah, the sabbatical year, in the Jewish farms that had been built to cultivate the Holy Land. Some rabbis argued that the land had to lie fallow, as Leviticus demands. Others insisted that there were halachic mechanisms that could be found in order to permit farming for that year. Gordon vented his fury at those who, in his view, cared too much for questions of faith instead of focusing on what he considered to be the central issues. His poem attempts to turn the book of Jeremiah on its head, with Zedekiah, who had focused on seeking to maintain Jewish independence, being the hero, and Jeremiah personifying for Gordon the fallacies of focus on faith. If we fast forward almost a hundred years after Gordon's poem was written, we find that Jeremiah received a defense from an unlikely source, David Ben-Gurion, long retired and delivering lectures about the Bible in the Negev in Steboker in 1968. The Six-Day War had just been fought, and Ben-Gurion, out of the spotlight, was participating in conferences in which he offered his own views about Hebrew scripture. We find the former Prime Minister's reflection on Jeremiah published at the conclusion of the book titled Ben-Gurion looks at the Bible, including passages providing a fitting tribute to the man, the seer, who has had our attention for these several weeks. The final chapter of the book of Jeremiah reviews the events of the destruction. Chapter 52. Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah, till he had cast them out from his presence, that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came, he and all his army against Jerusalem, and pitched against it, and built forts against it round about. So the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of king Zedekiah. And in the fourth month, in the ninth day of the month, the famine was sore in the city, so that there was no bread for the people of the land. Then the city was broken up, and all the men of war fled and went forth out of the city by night by way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden. Now the Chaldeans were by the city round about, and they went by the way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued after the king and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they took the king and carried him unto the king of Babylon to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. And the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He slew also all the princes of Judah and Riblah. Then he put out the eyes of Zedekiah, and the king of Babylon bound him in chains, 
and carried him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death. Of course, this is exactly what Jeremiah had warned Zedekiah all along would occur if he persisted in refusing to heed the prophet's words. But Gordon, controversially, composed a poem in which he took Zedekiah's side, and he imagines, in his composition, the imprisoned king defending his own leadership, wondering why a man such as himself who sought to defend Jerusalem is suffering so. Here are several lines from Gordon's poem, cited in translation in the Ben-Gurion book. Blind and lonely, imprisoned by iron and poverty, is there another one in the land as unfortunate as I? Locked up in a cage like an animal, like an antelope in a net. Why did this miserable lot befall me, to rule over Israel in such days of anguish? And why has destruction reached us now? What evil have I done, wherein have I transgressed? Because I did not bow down to Jeremiah before the soft-hearted man, the man with a conciliatory soul, who advised us the path of shame, subjugation, and docility? Gordon, in other words, seeks to paint Jeremiah as a prophet of shame. He then goes on to turn his fury on Jeremiah further, referencing how in chapter 17, Jeremiah had encouraged better observance of the Sabbath. Here are several more lines from Gordon's poem. Quote, And what does this priest from Anatot ask? Not to carry a burden on the Sabbath? Was there time then for holidays and Sabbaths? The enemy surrounded the land and laid waste the cities. Their batteries reached the gates of the royal city. And day after day he stands at the gate of the people, he stands and calls in the ears of those who came there not to carry a burden on the Sabbath. Thus Gordon mocks Jeremiah for his religious concerns. In response, Ben-Gurion, who was never known as a dedicated observer of the Sabbath, defends Jeremiah by arguing that nowhere does Jeremiah say that Sabbath trumps all concerns of self-defense. And, Ben-Gurion adds, the Sabbath is central to the vision that Judaism gave to the world. In his own talk in 1968, Ben-Gurion responded to Gordon as follows, quote, But is this the only thing which Jeremiah asked for? Jeremiah did say, Do not carry a burden on the Sabbath. Sanctify the Sabbath day as I commanded your forefathers. The Romans later ridiculed the Jews on this account and called them a nation of idlers because they didn't work for one entire day every week. But the importance of the Sabbath was bequeathed by the prophets of Israel to almost all the nations of the world, even to our day. It is impossible that Gordon would not have known that the Maccabees, who were without doubt Orthodox Jews, fought their enemies on the Sabbath. There is thus no reason to believe that the Jews were defeated by the Babylonian army because of the Sabbath, or that King Zedekiah thought so in his day. Jeremiah opposed warring against King Nebuchadnezzar on weekdays as well, because he knew the balance of powers and was certain that the Jews would be routed. End quote. So Ben-Gurion said, and this is of course true, though of course there is a larger point running throughout Jeremiah's prophecies which is that Israel must always remember its religious and ethical values, of which the Sabbath is one of the ultimate expressions. And Ben-Gurion himself seems to intuit this as well, for at the end of his lecture, he looks back on his early years and the formative impact that reading Gordon's poem then had on his study of the Bible. Ben-Gurion reflected, quote, In my youth I studied the Bible and read the poems of Y.L. Gordon, and when I read the beautiful and sad poems Zedekiah in prison, I was unequivocally on Gordon's side and against Jeremiah. Only after I immigrated to Israel 62 years ago and read the Bible here did I know and understand that justice was on the side of the prophets of rebuke. End quote. Society, in other words, needs its prophets who will fearlessly proclaim the truth against all threats to their person, heedless of how the elite of society attack them, undeterred even by imprisonment. And Ben-Gurion, moreover, expressed his understanding of how it was Jeremiah's words that simultaneously presented the truth of the disaster that loomed while simultaneously seeking to inspire Jewish hope in the future. 
listen to what Ben-Gurion said. Quote, In my view, there is no doubt that the greatest prophet who arose during the monarchy period, before the destruction of Jerusalem, and also the most unfortunate, despised, and courageous, was Jeremiah, as I have already noted above. He was not frightened by prison, by flogging, and even by the threat of death itself. To the very end, he chose to tell his people the bitter truth. He did indeed curse the day he was born, but continued courageously to utter bitter words of reproof to the people and the king, though the king's officers beat him, put him in prison, requested that he be put to death, and finally threw him into a pit without water, containing only mire, so that he might sink in it. During his lifetime, one of the prophets, Uriah son of Shmaiahu, who prophesied evil for Judah, was killed. King Jehoiakim son of Josiah asked that he be put to death, and Uriah fled to Egypt. But the king sent special emissaries there to bring him back to Jerusalem, had him killed, and threw his corpse into the grave of the common people. Despite this, the danger did not deter Jeremiah, and he continued to pronounce his severe prophecies throughout his life. King Zedekiah, Josiah's third son, stood behind Jeremiah and saved him from his enemies, although he himself was a weak person, afraid of public opinion and afraid of his officers. Both were against Jeremiah. Jeremiah requested that the army of Judah surrender to the king of Babylonia, and such words certainly would not have been pleasing to their ears. But, Ben-Gurion continued, Jeremiah was thoroughly familiar with the situation and the balance of power, and it was clear to him that if the Judeans were to continue in rebellion, Jerusalem would be destroyed. As a result, he didn't hesitate to advise the king, bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylonia and serve him and his people and live. He knew well that one cannot remain strong indefinitely and was certain that not much time would elapse, not more than 70 years before Babylonia would totter and fall. He therefore promised in the name of the Lord, I will restore your captivity and gather you from all the nations and from all the places to which I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I have banished you. Jeremiah, Ben-Gurion concluded, loved his people and also believed in its future, and his faith was vindicated in our time. End quote. It is a striking statement. I myself might have expressed it a bit differently, but it remains inspiring all the same. The lecture was delivered near the end of his life in Stay Boker in 1968 after the Six-Day War. No one would accuse Ben-Gurion of being devout, but it is moving to ponder the old man, as he was known, giving credit to Jeremiah for the resurrection of Israel in his own age, seeing all that he, Ben-Gurion, had helped bring about as a vindication of the prophet's promise. After reading this lecture that concluded the book, I looked at a small asterisk added at the end of the talk, which provided the date when it was given, 16 Tishrei. This would have been the second day of Sukkot, the harvest festival of the Jews, marked to a great extent the way it was meant to be marked, with Israel's fields having given of their richness. Ben-Gurion lived in the Negev, and there as well, Jeremiah's agricultural exclamation had become reality. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall yet again be bought in this land. The old city of Jerusalem on that holiday would have been filled with Jews who had been barred from it for almost two decades, as Jeremiah's promise made in prison would have been fulfilled that grooms and brides would rejoice in Jerusalem. All this, as Ben-Gurion said, is a vindication of Jeremiah. To this day, Jeremiah is known, among many, as the prophet of doom, so much so that in English, a prediction of ill tidings is known as a Jeremiah. This, of course, is astonishingly unfair, for as we have seen throughout our study of the book, it is Jeremiah's remarkable vision and guidance that asked Israel to see reality, but also to look toward the future with faith, a future that in part was far off, 
but a future that could be realized. The time has come to rid ourselves of the common understanding of Jeremiah, to proclaim, if you will, a Jeremiah on the term Jeremiah, to embrace Jeremiah as the visionary prophet of endurance and belief that history has shown him to be. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to beginning Ezekiel with you next week. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Signing off.